Marisol. Hi, I'm Rosie. And I'm Wendy. And you're listening to Spilling La Sopa, a podcast about real Latinas, real conversations, real chistosas. Hola, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Spilling La Sopa. How are you ladies doing today? Ooh, hola a todos. Hi, this is Wendy, your amiga. <laughs> I'm doing okay. It's really hot these days, so I'm melting like a like a like a gumdrop in a in the outdoors. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say like popsicle or something. <laughs> También, <laughs> pues, popsicle. I was trying to think of something delicious, you know. <laughs> Ice cream. <laughs> Have you even? What is a gumdrop? Yeah, what is gumdrop? Had a gumdrop. I don't know. I just imagine like I just watched Willy Wonka the other day, so he, I knew it. it. Looked, <laughs> I knew it. Sam Netflix. You know, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it looked it looked like a circular uh, thing that's a gum, and then I said drop gumdrop porque pues it dropped, you know, so it must be <laughs> melting in the. <laughs> I thought gumdrops were like gomitas, like a like a oh. little like a gummy bear. Like dots? Oh. Kinda, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, like dots, yeah. Melting like a dot. Okay, let's just stick with ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know Mexican candy better. Pero yeah. Melting anyway. like a... What's a Mexican candy? Like, like a pulparindo. Like pulparindo, yeah. <laughs> like un pulparindo que dejaste en el carro for three days in the sun. Ew, <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Um, but I'm do- I just realized I was like, hi, everyone. And I didn't answer your question, but I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. I'm excited to get this episode started. Um, and to start off, we want to congratulate a todos los graduados. Woo! Woo! Felicidades. Clap, 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 clap. Yes, we've been seeing your pictures on social media and those pictures of your loved ones. And we just want to say that it's so beautiful to see. Um, just to like see how many people are pursuing education and how many of your, your little babies are accomplishing, you know, their goals, graduating from kinder, middle school, mm. high school, um, you know, all the way, all the way through graduate school. Um, we are so proud of you and we love to see it. And I want to uh, take the opportunity to do a special shout out to my little sister oh, for awesome. graduating from Cal State East Bay <laughs> with Honors. Oh, smart <laughs> hands. Yeah. Yes. Congratulations to Congratulations my sister. To and, and graduating in the middle of a pandemic. Let's not mm-hmm. forget yeah. about and that. And graduating in the middle of a pandemic, for sure. All you graduates, if you're listening, good job. Yeah. That had to be tough. Had to be tough. I mean, if a pandemic oh. would have happened when I was in my undergrad, like, I had this big old computer, like, you know, I didn't have a flat screen. I didn't have a laptop. Imagine having to carry that from my dorm to my casa, like all triste because I had to go home. And like, it was huge. How was like, it was Zoom even around? Probably not. That was ridiculous. No, I don't think so. I don't think we would have no, graduated. I don't know how I would have done it, honestly. I don't know. Without the advances, the current advances in technology, I, I have no idea. Yeah, no clue. I'm sure there was video video back then, but we were just too slow in the game to know it because i mean i we were totally going to, to college after messenger <laughs> so, so i'm sure there was some yeah, video yeah. option we just didn't know it for sure we were just unaware or maybe too broke to afford it too because it's probably more expensive when it first yeah came out. at the time i would wait until after 9 p.m to talk because that's when you got the free minutes right from your cell phone <laughs> like oh, yeah. you had to wait till 9 p.m to talk for free so yeah but let's talk about graduation season 
So since, you know, estamos hablando de los graduados, did you ladies celebrate your graduations? Like, did you celebrate? And what did you do to celebrate if you did? Oh, yeah. Mine is a little intense. <laughs> well, not too intense. But when I graduated from my undergrad, uh, actually, Wendy and I graduated together. And our first graduation was the Chicano Latino graduation ceremony. From uh, We graduated from Kelsey Long Beach. Woo! Go Beach! Woo! <laughs> and... Um, I couldn't celebrate that. It was on a Sunday because my mom was actually sleeping over at her job. She was t she used to take care of kids, and so she had to sleep over to take care of them. And so we couldn't really celebrate. But at the time, I went to sleep over my boyfriend's house. He wasn't really my boyfriend anymore. We had broken up like a year or so before that. But anyways, I went to go sleep over. Point being that uh, I ended up like that night officially, officially breaking up with him because me dejó toda plantada in a way. Like his best friend came over llorando because her boyfriend had broken up with her. And then I was all like, well, hello, I haven't seen you in a week. Uh, we're supposed to be like hanging out. And even he was, though we're broken up, hello. Even though we're broken up, but we're like kind of <laughs> together, but kind of like not. And so, yeah, yeah, he took like an hour with her outside. Y yo salí toda furiosa, like outside, like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Yore, yore. And I drove my little butt home. And I was like, that's it. Like, it's over, over, officially over. And that was the night of, that's how I celebrated my Chicano Latino Aww. graduation. I know. Aww. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. I know because I had to go to work the next day. I remember Wendy? And Wendy was like, oh, he had planned out like a dinner for you. And I was helping him with it. Remember? Oh, yeah. I forgot. Uh -huh. I can't believe I helped that sucio. Should have never helped him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I, 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 rata I, I, well, like <laughs> rata. rata de dos patas. Rata de dos patas. Rata de dos patas. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally celebrated my, my undergrad graduation i i went all out man it was it was a big deal because uh, i was the first person in my family to get a, a bachelor's degree so i remember having a party with a mechanical bull oh all right uh i'm gonna post a, a picture of me on the bull uh para, para el público, you know so they can see <laughs> but yeah we had a bull and then i uh, my sister she she made my favorite tacos de lengua and, and tequila shots. I'm not a tequila person anymore, you know, sadly. It all of a sudden. All of a sudden I'm not <laughs> um, because it just doesn't doesn't mix well with my chemistry anymore. So no more tequila person. But OMG, it was like, it was just very like, like I had so many people over. And, and I remember like that was the first time ever my mom allowed a party like ever and in the last time like <laughs> it was like <laughs> the very first time yeah and the very last time too that she let me have like people over um because she you know like i mentioned before everything was the devil for her right so this time i don't know how i did it uh, uh but i convinced her to let me have this party and the friend that actually introduced all of us uh her uncle dj'd oh that's <laughs> true that's true yeah. he did DJ. he dj'd that party um and uh, yeah, it was good. It it was a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, I dude, I'm big on celebrating. Y'all know me. I will throw a party given any excuse, even if it's a little one. <laughs> yeah. I'll throw a party. So I threw a party for all my graduations, actually, like from high school all the way to graduate school. Um, and so the last party was when I graduated from graduate school. It was like what, like 2015. And Wendy and I were roommates. Right. So oh, yeah. we had we lived in this little it was like a duplex 
and we had like the back unit. So it was small. It was like a little kitchen, little sala, two two rooms, you know, whatever. But it had a nice like backyard. Tenía un tejaban, and we had like a washer dryer out there, and it was like a cool spot for a party. Yeah. Um, so we threw a party. Like my dad trajo su comal y se puso a hacer tacos. We had a DJ. Um, you know, we had drinks, cake, the whole shebang. So the party ended with me tipsy and like I, I was dancing with my cousins. And like the last thing I remember hearing was like, Echale vampiro! <laughs> <laughs> so we, were, we were dancing to Me Vale, but we were jumping. <clears throat> and my family's tall. Like we're all tall. I'm not tall enough to like jump and smack my head on the tejaban, but my mom was looking at my cousins like, ay Dios, se van a descocar, se van a descocar ahí. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That party was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, but w- let's rewind a little bit. Like how, how did we even get to that point of like attending college and, and, you know, actually graduating? But before, like, how did we even have this, this idea to like, go into college like did your family know about college before you went there or what was your guys's experience I can start with this one um I think education was very big for my parents growing up you know my parents emigrated to this country but uh, you know I I've talked to a lot of friends like their parents met in a in a different country and then never like the whole family moved here together my parents actually met here and um my dad was particularly big on education. Like he didn't get a chance to, to like really take advantage of an education. And so he was like big, big on it, like huge. Like I had to get good grades, like coming up from like elementary school all the way through. Right. Like a C was like a slap in the face. Like I can, I can probably count the number of C's I got in like my, you know, up, up until high school, um, like through high school, because my dad was like so strict. And I remember like little story. I remember once, uh, my best friend, right, my my childhood friend at the time, her dad would give her, um, this was elementary, she was like, we got, it was report card time, and her dad would give her 20 bucks for every A she got. Oh, Dang, nice. that was yeah, your Isabel, get, your, the, the, the yeah. Isabel in your days. <laughs> she, was, she was my Isabel, she was the big spender, you know, she was, I was like, oh man, I was like, what? You know, she told me, she's like, my dad gives me 20 bucks for every A, and I was like, shit, I don't, my dad doesn't give me anything, like, my dad don't give me shit. And so... You know, I go home and I have my report card and my dad sees it and he's like, you know, A's and he's like, oh, que bueno, mija. Que bueno, you know, like, good job. Que Dios te lo pague. Yeah. And I was like, hey, um, dad, so, so, este, a Valeria, su papá, le da, le da 20 dólares for, for every A that she gets. And he was like, uh-huh. And, and I was like, well, and, you know, like, and, mm, he, you know, I didn't know how Where to ask. I was scared. Yeah, I was like, uh, are you going to give me anything? And he was like, I give a roof, I give you a roof over your head, I feed you, and I buy you whatever you need. Can I get $20 He's like, do you give me anything? Do, do you give me anything for going to work? He's like, ¿tú me das algo por ir a trabajar? And I was like, no, like confused, you know. He's like, yo trabajo para darte todas esas cosas porque es mi trabajo. Y tú no me das nada por mi trabajo, right? And I was like, no. He's like, okay, well, tú... Tu trabajo es ir a la escuela. Tú tienes que ir a la escuela y tú tienes que estudiar y ese es tu trabajo. So, like, basically I learned very young, like, oh, shit, this is for me. Like, this is my job. I have to do this um, because, like, I, I, I need to do this. And so, I mean, I guess that's, like, that's where it started. The thought of, like, I have to go to school was because it was, like, 
the seed was planted like really early on. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I think um I think my mom um I think she's she had that, you know, immigrant mindset um of go to school um and finish it high school. Like I don't think she mm-hmm. she ever really thought about life after high school in in a college sense. Like it was more so like go to school, get your high school so you can get a job, right? Cuz I think that's often what happens uh in in her country, Mexico, is that most people finish, you know, high school and they're able to get a decent job, actually, because <laughs> I think high school in Mexico, they actually prep you mm-hmm. for something, you know, um, a specific type of job. So I think she had the same mindset that, you know, just finish high school and then that is sufficient to get a, a decent job here in the U.S. Um, so... I think that the first time I was exposed to to college, like even like I would say like the word, um, the very beginning was in the 10th grade. I'm going to give you guys a cuento. So the very beginning was 10th grade and I was dating this girl uh, and she was in AP classes. Yo estaba bien burra because I was like, well, what's what's AP? Like I remember (laughs) asking her like, what what's AP stand for? And then she told me, right, what AP stands for. And then she told me that these classes were also classes that gave her college credits. So I was like, college credits? Like, why would, what, what is that? Like, what's college? <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, what is this? <laughs> Solage? Like, <laughs> so, so yeah, I was like, well, what are these credits for, you know? So she said, well, um, why why don't you do this right she's like you should go to this office right and she like directed me to the local you know college prep office and in in my high school um and apparently this this college office was located in this bungalow that i thought was like a vacant you know (laughs) bungalow you know (laughs) like no i know in a year it was like an empty storage room i thought you know and it was ghost town that's what i was thinking yeah it was a ghost town bungalow and then i was like i had thought it was just such a like you know abandoned part of the school that i would go behind (laughs) i would go behind this bungalow and smoke my weed there like (laughs) Like, <laughs> but little did I know that there was people in this building, in this bungalow, that were planning for their future and shit, right? <laughs> so I decided to walk in there. And then I remember saying, like, I walked into the little bungalow and I was like, hello. And then it, I was immediately escorted out. Like, as soon as I walked in, they were, I was like, hello. And then they were like, you must leave now. You must leave now. You're the pot um, smoker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So apparently me smoke, smoking weed behind this bungalow wasn't so secret and they were sick of me <laughs> already. <laughs> uh, so they were like, get out, stoner. Like, Aww. you must leave. Get out. So then that was my first experience at a at a college uh, counseling, you know, bungalow in, in my school that I went to um, in Watts. So then I was like, fuck these people, you know? So that was like my first interaction. And then I think about two years later after that, which would mean I was already a senior, I started to understand like, oh shit, I I might have to think about this college stuff. Um, But that was my first um, interaction with like learning. Like, oh. Did they let you back in? Not that, not that school. (laughs) I actually ended up. I had actually to switch up, schools. I had to switch schools, right? And then I had a new, like, life, you know, like, people didn't know. Like, it was funny because I actually went to one school that was in, in my hometown, Watts. And then later I switched 
across the railroad tracks, which is a mm. whole different world. Like oh, yeah. literally, it's like those railroad tracks, <laughs> right? Those ro- those railroad tracks are like fucking a portal into like <laughs> middle class, like mm-hmm. middle middle class mm-hmm. to upper middle class like neighborhood. So I remember um, leaving, you know, the high school that I was in um, from Watts and then crossing the railroad tracks and then, you know, having to use somebody else's address to attend that that new high school that they built. Um, What was it called? South Southeast. Southeast Southeast High School. So that's where I went. I completed the last two years of my my. my high school stuff but that that place had a completely new place right like these are all these kids that they didn't know anything about me in 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 my watt school you know like <laughs> um they just were like you know new people new, welcome new welcome staff. to the college center <laughs> exactly they were like everybody has an opportunity so i actually ended up signing up so late into their their semester that they had no classes for me anymore um to choose from so i had to i had to spend two hours which were considered like my service hours in the college center at the at the southeast high school (laughs) so it was so new that they were barely like putting together the college center and they and I didn't fit in any other class so then they said okay well just go there complete your service hours and help the college uh the college counselor set up the center. So that is my that was my next (laughs) you know my next the uh, next step the positive experience Right. It was just constant for two hours every day, bombarded about college and what it looked like. And that's obviously where I learned, right, that my GPA was barely was going to get me into a Cal State and not a UC. Well, I'm surprised it got you into a Cal State so that your GPA wasn't that bad then. It wasn't that it wasn't that bad. I feel like the last the last couple of years, I had enough time to like really like try, like really like get better grades and and I think I've overall I still got decent grades because like I said my mom had the that kind of like this immigrant mentality where she must see an A she must see a B but anything under A B was like bad and and it wasn't you know I, I was just avoiding a, a whooping mm-hmm. you know like if I got a C below it, I was I was uh, asking for a whooping but if I got a B or an A then I was I was dodging that so I think that's what I did my first two years in high school was I was dodging whoopings (laughs) and um for me my sister has a best friend and her mom worked at a school and so she switched her daughter to a magnet uh middle school I believe and so that's where like my mom decided to change my sister into a magnet middle school so you know magnets tends to be a little bit more focused on uh your education, especially college, and really kind of tracking students that way and supporting students that way. And so because my sister got changed to a magnet school, then I had to be changed to a magnet school because uh, like in the hood, we have tracks because there's so many students in high school that they have to put people in different tracks so that not everybody's there at the same time. But in the magnet schools, it's like a year round thing. Like there's no tracks. It's just everybody goes there at the same time. Anyway, so I had to switch over to a magnet school. And so Again, this magnet school is really where they talk to us a lot about college. But my sister was the first one um, in our family, I only have one sibling, to go to college. And so she was going off to UC Davis. And so I was like, what, like in eighth grade? She's five years older than I was. So like really in middle school is where I was like, oh, my sister's going to college. I guess that's kind of what's expected of me too. Like that's like the next thing for me to do. Although my mom 
I mean, I, I need to have this conversation with my sister, I guess, like what pushed her to go to college? Because in a sense, she pushed me to go to college because, you know, modeling behavior. Um, but again, my mom, kind of like the two of you ladies mentioned for parent, for my parent, my mom, it was important for us to at least graduate high school. And my mom would say that, I'm Marisol, con que te gradues de la high school. Todo va a estar bien, right? And I'm like, really, mom? You don't believe in me that I could do much more than that? <laughs> but she was just like, I don't know how to guide you, you know? So at, at least you can complete high school and the rest of it, okay. Like my mom always says, a ver si Dios quiere, and, and you know, putting everything up to God's hands. And I'm like, okay, mom. Yeah, see, for me, like, it wasn't an option. Like, college, mm. I think school was not an option so much so that también, like, I got my whoopings and, and you know, shit like that when I, whenever my grades started to slip. But it just, at some point, it was like the message that it was not an option, that it's what I had to do was like drilled in, that it became like, oh, like I have to go to college, like I have to do this. <laughs> um, but, and so when I, like, I don't actually, like the application, do you remember the application process? It was so painful, dude, mm. because all I knew was that I had to go to college and that was it, right? That's what, That was the extent of what my parents said. You got to go to college. And I was like, cool. Can you help and me? And I was like, where is this college? How do I get into this college? Like, how can I, you know, do all this stuff? And I actually, in high school, don't really remember, like, how, how it happened where I learned late that we were already supposed to be submitting college applications and, like, essays and stuff. And I was like, oh, shit. And la madre que voy a hacer. So I had a dream school, right? I wanted to go to San Diego State. Mm. And I, like, sent my little letters and I got the acceptance letter from San Diego State. Aww. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I think we went as far as to go see the campus. And I was, like, in love with the campus. And then I saw the price tag. And, we, you know, we couldn't afford it, right? And my dad was, like, hell-bent. He's like, no, like, if that's really where you want to go, if that's your dream, if that's really where you want to go, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll, we'll do whatever we got to do, blah, blah. But, like... Just math, you know, the math didn't add up. And I was like, there's no way, like, there's no way we're going to be able to. So I applied late to UC Riverside because it was the closest UC to where I was living at the time. So I was living in Paris. And um, I don't know how I got in. And so I fucking, you know, made it through the process. But it was painful, like, having to keep up with the deadlines and trying to figure out, like, well, what happens now? Well, what, you know, what, what's going on now? And I had an AP class or two that I knew that was like, I somewhat understood that it was for college prep, but I didn't pass the AP test. And so they're like, okay, well, basically you've been doing all this extra work all year, but for you're no. not going to, it's not going to count for college. And I was like, okay, cool. That's, that's awesome. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, Thank you for, for wasting that. my fucking time. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I only passed the AP Spanish exam and I mean, I, I feel like everybody else did, but I didn't pass the AP history. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. I didn't even have AP Spanish. I don't know why I didn't. That that one, I mean, hopefully, I would have passed. I I had a, <laughs> I think history and English. Both of those, I got like womp womp womp. So, my sister was gonna go to college, so my mom started paying taxes so that we can go to school. Um, and uh, so they were like, "Señora, tiene que hacer los taxes." She's like, "Los qué?" You know, <laughs> ¿A, quién? <laughs> a quién le tengo que pagar qué ni madre. So, um, and luckily, you know, we were able to get financial aid. So for us, coming from a single parent household, at least for me, financial aid was important without it I wouldn't have been able to go to college at all for sure yeah yeah I had a I had gotten so skilled working at that uh 
at that new college center that, you know, uh, by 11th grade, I helped a lot of homies get into college. <laughs> I helped a lot of my friends. Like, I was like, did you know that there is financial aid? Your, your parents are broke, right? There's money, <laughs> right? And I remember getting so many people because I was just like, I've always been that type of person that I'm like, hey, there's water over here, you know? Like, like, <laughs> like you fool, I, shut up. Keep it for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always been the type of person that I, I, I invite people over when I find something that will help anybody you know so yeah I remember by the time it was my turn to submit my applications I had so much practice because that was my that was my job at this center right for like two hours every day is helping people understand this is what you need this is how this is a personal statement these are the schools that your GPA qualifies you for um so that was my job so I think by the time it was my turn I was just ready I was ready and and I did get into my the school that I wanted to go to, and that was Cal State Long Beach. Well, I remember for yeah. me, like I didn't want to apply to UCs for two things. One, I didn't want to write a personal statement because I ain't got time for that, <laughs> which is so dumb because I was a journalism major, like I was a good writer. And two, my sister would tell me like about like how much you know ex how expensive it was, and you know the debt that she was getting herself into, and I was like, oh no, like a mí siempre me ha dado miedo like to take out loans or get in any debt like with my finances I'm like Ooh. so I was like yeah that's out of the question I'm definitely not going to go to a UC and I also applied to Cal State Long Beach because it was by the beach that's all I knew was by the beach and <laughs> I wanted beach to in the name yeah I was like cool <laughs> I want to be like by the beach I love the water and that's where I'm gonna go but I never thought to think oh do they offer my major oh like will I get financial aid like nobody all told the important me. pieces yeah nobody told me to ask those questions I was just like okay my best friend's gonna go there my future best friend Wendy's gonna go there yeah yeah. <laughs> and it's by the beach. Yeah. That's all I need to know. Yeah, dude. I did all that paperwork wrong. Like <laughs> the financial aid paperwork. I remember it was like my first quarter and we got like the first bill, like the first statement. And I don't know what happened. I freaked out, dude. I almost fainted. I think it was like 11 grand for the semester, for the year. No me acuerdo. But I was like, <gasps> I was like, what happened? So I like rushed to the financial aid <laughs> office at UCR and they're like, Let's see what you did. And they're like, oh, here it is. Blah, blah, blah. I should have met you earlier, Wendy. I know. <laughs> you way earlier. You should have been over at the at the, at the school at the Southeast. at the other side of the train tracks. <laughs> Isn't that crazy to think that if like Wendy would have stayed in her school in Watts where she was discouraged from even entering this building, like she might not we might literally like not know each other at all or have this podcast or maybe like her future maybe wouldn't be as amazing, I think, as it is right now. Like one person could have just held her back and have helped so many other people that she also helped in this center. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Is anybody yeah, thinking so about that? Yeah, it's very wild. I would have probably been on on uh, a thousand pound sisters because I've, I've been watching that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and their life reminds me of some of the stuff that I used to go through with my sisters. Um, but yeah, I was like, if they're making it as influencers, I would have probably been uh, had a chance. So maybe you would have <laughs> actually had a better life then. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, in Kentucky. Oh my god, in Kentucky! Oh my god, eating your fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 we know how we got there, um, uh, in college space. But what are what is like for you when you were actually there? What was it like for you? Like, 
what was your experience? So but once you got there, how was yeah, it? Yeah, once you got Yeah, like what was that like? It was hard, dude. It was hard to like uh learn all of the like rules and then the unwritten rules, right? And then I actually started college really young. I started uh university when I was 17. So I wasn't even 18 yet. I was 17 for like a month or two Minor. before I turned 18, yeah. And um, my only, like, frame of reference was high school, right? In high school, like, I went to high school in a small town. Like, I knew a lot of people, right? None of my friends were going to college. Like, none of my friends in, in high school that I was graduating with, they, like, which made the, the process of, like, applying even harder, right? Because I didn't have anyone to be like, hey, did you do this? Did you submit this? What did you write? Like, um, I don't remember anyone applying, right? Um, so I think it was, for me, it was difficult to like find my place to find my spot I remember the first year was particularly difficult because I was a commuter student right so I wasn't I wasn't getting to participate in any of the cool things like quote-unquote cool things mm -hmm. about college that I like saw in movies or like mm -hmm. you know whatever I saw in the media like I didn't get to participate in any of those things I had a job the entire time. And then that first year, I didn't really have friends, you know, because I was just like going to my classes, like class after class. And then I would be on campus for like a specific amount of time. And then I'm like, I'm out. I got to go to work. Um, and so like, I guess the academic piece was also difficult. Like it was different, right? Like in high school, I don't remember having like a syllabus or or like the independent instruction, right? Like, here you go. This is your syllabus. Here you go. Like, it's your job to be on time, to like do all these things and, and blah, 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 blah. So I think it was, um, it was an adjustment period that first year. Fast forward, you know, years two and two, three and four, um, I actually stumbled upon this little office on campus. Well, actually, no, no. I met a, a I made a friend in one of my classes, right? And this friend is still my friend today. And this friend is also Latina. And so I meet her in a class and we've been in the same class for like three months or something. And I speak Spanglish and I've admitted that I make mm -hmm. this mistake often. I, if you, I speak Spanish to people before asking them, do you speak Spanish? And so I know this friend, have been speaking to her for like three months in Spanglish. <laughs> and then she invites me to this office, right? She's like, hey, you want to come? Um, there's this office called CSB. Chicano student programs. Um, it's really, it's, you know, it's cool. And I was like, well, what is it? She's like, well, there's like a library and then there's a table. Like people just go in there and eat and, and talk and stuff. I'm like, cool. So I go and that's where I found my tribe, right? That's where I found my tribe. Like I, I kept going to that place and I started meeting people and it was people that looked like me and it was people that had similar experiences to me. And I really like got to make those social connections. Um, and that totally changed my experience in comparison to that first year. It made it so much better. And then just, todos como, como Jenny Rivera? Todos como Jenny Rivera? Ah, <laughs> that's a compliment. You said, that's people, a compliment. you said everybody looked like you. Everybody looked like me. That's a compliment. The school, the people in my classes were like, were predominantly white. There's some, you know, API folks. And, you know, one or two brown people in the classes that I was taking that first year or like, you know, like I didn't really see a lot of people like me. And then this was a place in like a social setting where a lot of people look like me. Also, funny story, that friend right now, after I had made friends in that office, 
I was talking about like, yeah, I was telling so-and-so, you know, Jazz, shout out to Jazzy. I was like, I was telling Jazzy, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And they're like, you, you were telling her what? And I was like, oh, I was telling her que no sé qué, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, uh, you know she doesn't speak Spanish, right? <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, uh, she doesn't speak Spanish. And I was like, uh, yeah, she does. Like, we've been friends for like three months. Like, I, you know. Yeah, she took she me to the Chicano story. She, she, she took me to the Chicano right? Office. And it's like Chicano student program. So, I, you know, she, we run into each other again on this place. And I was like, hey. I was like, do you, can I ask you a question? She's like, yeah, what's up? I was like, Jazzy, you don't speak Spanish? And she like goes red and she just starts laughing. And I was like, why didn't you tell me? I've been talking to you for like three months. <laughs> Telling her you your deepest, under- darkest like, secret. I understood. I understood most of what you were saying. And I was like, dude. <laughs> and since then, though, that was a learning lesson that I've kept close to my heart. I ask first. I try to figure out if people speak Spanish before <laughs> I just, just take off talking. That's so funny. La pobre. Well, maybe that's why you were friends for so long because you guys didn't understand each other. And so you just vibed off of that. <laughs> yeah. So our friendship was founded on vibes. That's oh. good. I'll take that. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a good one. It was all vibes. For me, like, like I mentioned, my, my GPA wasn't that good. Um, so I remember that my first few experiences in college were a combination of like trying to juggle educating my mom about college and and having her like believe me that I was going to college mm-hmm. and that college is good you know it's a good thing that I got accepted into university uh because like I've said before my mom thought thought everything was the devil so she thought like <laughs> college was was not a good place and and college was a place where you know white girls go to party and they film porn videos and um so so she I had to not. like <laughs> I had to promise my mom I promise you that this is a real thing that it's important um I promise you that college is not the devil so I remember doing that like just having to educate my whole family so they understood that I wasn't going to party because my mom thought this was a party thing like you are trying to go party um for several hours a day and if if anybody knows me like you two ladies know me I am not a huge party person like I can I can sustain some partying like maybe a handful of hours but for the most time I'm pretty like low low key (laughs) I love me pretty chill Wendy wouldn't have tapped out Wendy would have tapped out at at three hours of partying one day a week let alone five days a week for I don't know how long you were on campus yeah (laughs) I, I grew up on on the neighborhood neighborhood weed, so the weed that I used to smoke was the chill, like you're chill and you fall asleep weed. <laughs> Not, yeah, it wasn't the I'm I'm energetic weed, right? So, um, but yeah, so I remember you know having to do that is juggling like this, educating my family piece and. At the same time, getting to school and and not feeling good enough, right? Like there was already these beliefs that that you know my GPA barely you know got me into Cal State Long Beach, and I wasn't you know smart enough. I wasn't good enough. Um, and even though I was you know Hispanic, uh, and I went to this primarily Hispanic school at the end, the, the high school I went to towards the end, I still didn't connect with those Hispanic students because. They were living, like I said, a, a, a um, middle class, middle, middle, middle class lifestyle, you know, and I was coming from Watts, right? And, and, and I feel like a, that was a, a constant experience that I couldn't connect with other like, you know, Hispanic, Latino people that didn't come from 
from my neighborhood, right? Because it, it just felt like the, I, I wasn't understood. And um, on top of that, you know, my mom's spiritual beliefs were like huge growing up. So <clears throat> again, it created more space between me and like, you know, Mexican culture and, and common things that you guys, you know, that Mexicans share, like these belief systems and like, you know, parties and like familia and bringing everybody together. Like it was, you know, it was, it was just like this weird odd space that I was in. So what I did was that I, I just relied a lot, a lot on people that I trusted, um, friends. I didn't have too many in college because I was so focused on like, you know, staying there, right? So because my GPA wasn't that good, I also had to uh, take like pre-baccalaureate courses, right? So the pre-bac courses basically means that que bien burra in math and English, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> like my math and English uh, was not the best. So I had to, you know, take these like pre-bac courses, so meaning that they're not necessarily... Yeah, like they're not necessarily college credit, but you're already in college, but they're prepping you for the actual real college course. Um, and you only get two tries, I believe, like two One tries year. before they kick you out completely from like school. So I failed both. Like I failed the first try, you know, I failed the first try at math, passed the first, you know, the English try. Um, and the second try I got at the math class I remember having this like really sweet, like, you know, professor that was just, you know, he was just so concerned about me. But, you know, what I did was that I was constantly going to his office hours, you know, and I was like, I need to pass this class. And um, I remember he had a really, really thick accent and like severe broken English. <laughs> severe. <laughs> but he was, he was like very like kind like he had a kind face you know um and he was korean so he was so kind to me and i just remember i wanted to pass so bad like i felt like the pressure of the world like i need to pass this class and um i went to all his office hours and and he like just knew me already right because so, i guess i was the only person going to his office hours like nobody Aww. else went so I would go and then he'd like see me come in and then and he'd be like, ah, Wendy, you again. Come, 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 sit, 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 sit. And then he'd like sit next to me and he like, you know, try to teach me like whatever the topics were, you know. Um, and then I remember like sitting, sitting in uh, just like around campus, I was sitting on some stairs and I was working on the homeworks and he, he walked by and he saw me and he, he came back like, so the other reversa, he sat next to me and then he was like, here, like he wanted to help me with the homework. Um, it was a math homework and um, I filled everything. I filled every exam, but I turned in all my homework and he passed me. <laughs> That's all I needed. <laughs> That's I all I pass. needed was a pass. So, you know, he he totally like, I feel so blessed that he was that type of human, you know, that you know, regardless of my really shitty math skills and, and like I felt I faithfully failed every exam. <laughs> but he, he he was always always surprised, like, how are you failing these? <laughs> like <laughs> you come to every so I was like any anyways, I, in in like remembering him right now, I just wanna say wherever he's at, I bless him. I hope he's not dead. 
Oh my God. Because <laughs> he was older already, but just bless him and his soul wherever it's at because he was just amazing. And he really, I think if, if it wasn't for his kindness and, and also me and my commitment to like fail every exam, <laughs> oh, uh, I wouldn't have been in college and I probably wouldn't have met Mari. <laughs> that would have been horrible. Yeah. For you, maybe. But <laughs> I'm just <kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, well, my college experience was a little bit different from the the two of you. I had like the typical, like kind of like what you watch in the movies, I guess. Even though it's not really like the movies, but like I lived at the dorm. Um, I my best friend at the time came with me, so we were roommates. And you know, we would get up, and then we would be on campus, and we were like doing all the cool activities, which was really. Fun. I only got to I only had to work eight hours a week. So that was nice because I was able to, luckily, I was poor enough, right? So poor. Thank God I was so poor. (laughs) But that the government was like, pobrecita, like, let's, you know, she she comes to school for free. My dorm was paid. My schooling was paid. I even got like an extra like $600 for my books and my parking. So all I really needed to work for was for my own gas and for whatever babosadas I was going to buy, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm so ex- I'm so happy I was poor. But I didn't have to worry about working, which was really nice because I was able to, A, focus on my studies. And, two, mm-hmm. focus on pendejadas, like making friends, going to clubs and orgs, uh, going to Corey's, which was the 18 and over club in Long Beach, right? So I was really able to, like, just hang out and meet people. And uh, for me, I think one of the most exciting parts of college was just meeting people outside of my culture. Like I had friends from India. I had friends from uh, like Filipino friends. I made like white friends. I made friends, you know, that I didn't have like in my high school experience. Although I went to high school with Filipinos and Armenians and the rest were like Latinos, but they weren't like my tribe, as you can say, right? Like they weren't my people. I just happened to know them. But in college is really where like I was also able to just kind of diversify and and see how other people lived and like what they ate and that was exciting to me and I think that's and, and in college I was uh, again I was so poor that I was able to study abroad for free in Brazil and that really opened up my 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 view of like oh my god traveling is so fun and exciting and I get to really see the other side of the world the other side of the tracks I guess right um and from there, that's where my love of like traveling grew because it was just exciting and fun and you know you learn all the tips and you know hacks on how to do it at a, at a cheap cost um and so I had I also was put in in pre-back like pre-college level math um so that did suck that was hard because I was like teen like just like Wendy like if I don't pass this like what is my mom gonna think right um luckily I was able to pass I went to tutoring the tutor was so rude. I think I, you know who I'm talking about, Bomba. He was a tutor for the program that we also, where we worked, where we met. And he was so rude. And every student would say he was so rude. I remember I would go to tutor and he'd be like, oh, if you don't get it, like, why are you even here? Well, well dumbass, they're paying you. Like, I'm the reason you're getting paid. You need to help me. Um, I don't even know how I passed on math class. Probably, I probably had the or same teacher you, you had. You had the same teacher. <laughs> I think he was Korean. <laughs> he blessed us, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I luckily I passed that class. And that's all I, again, because that, that is a, a heavy stressor to have on you. Like, oh my God, if I don't do this, that's it. Like, it's, I'm just going to be such a huge disappointment. And I think that's one thing for me too, even though like, um, I guess I was able to party all I wanted, blah, 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 because I didn't really work. Like, Every time that I would, like, 
maybe not get the best grade. I was always like an A, B student. If I was getting close to a C, I never really got C's in college. I think maybe one class. And it was probably math. Um, I would just think of like, oh, la decepción for my mom, right? Like if I kick, they kick me out or whatever, like she's going to be all triste and I'm going to be all like, oh, like feeling like bad, mainly for her, not even about me, but for my mom. Because, you know, she came to this country, raised two daughters and somehow made it. Y aquí de pendeja because, you know, no más. I don't know why. you want to go to Corey's. Because I want to go to Corey's, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that's like night and day from my experience. Like, I had to work a lot. Yeah, I I remember working too. Like, I I think I had I had, well, one of them was yeah. There were two uh work study jobs and on campus. Mm-hmm. That's what that's where I got worked through from work yeah. studying. Again, I was so poor. Yeah, and then I think that when I did like kind of have did like get curious about organizations and on on campus, I I gravitated towards. Hermanas Unidas, H A U. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I went to the Hermanas Unidas, um, but I I didn't get too strong, active in there. And then after that, I try I tried to check out La Raza. Um, well, we checked too, it out together. Yeah, <laughs> we checked it out together, and I didn't really, you know, I didn't really get, you know, cu- you know, too bonded with with those people there. But yeah, I think I always just focus on 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 the fact that I wanted to go to graduate school. So I was doing a lot of work on in research labs and, you know, just community service has always been a huge thing for me. So if I wasn't doing research lab stuff, I was doing community service hours and something, doing something. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to hear this from you guys. What was the oddest or weirdest thing that has ever happened to you in college, in your undergrad? Hmm. So many weird things. I'm just kidding. Uh, or funniest. I don't know about the weirdest or like oddest thing that happened to me in college, but I do have a funny story about my first day. <laughs> okay. A ver, dinos, so dinos. My first day, I had a class in the evening, right? Or it ended like at some point in the evening and it was in an auditorium, much different than high school, right? Mind you, coming from high school, classes were what, like 30, 40 people at max? This class was like 500 students. So it was probably like a a general class. I don't remember what it was. Anyway, first class is done. I'm walking out with my stupid little binder, you know, all my stuff. And I'm like walking towards the parking lot. Yes, he said, like the sun is setting, right? And I'm like, I breathe in and I'm like, shit, dude. Like that was my first college class. Like we made it. And I'm walking down towards the parking lot. Están unos escalones, but they're not like regular height, right? They're like short i mean they're like long steps and they just they just go far out so it's basically like little little tiny steps anyway i like look at my phone or something i f- miscalculate sopas, dude i fall on my ass <laughs> right after class ended coming out of a class with 500 students and i don't know how because i tripped and i was going forward like i i stepped on the step y le jarré. And I was falling forward, but I landed on my back like a what turtle. <laughs> I was laying on my back like a turtle in, you had a like giant in front of 500 <laughs> students. I was mortified. I was like, Trágame tierra. I can't come back here. I can't. I like fucking picked up my shit and booked it to the parking lot. Oh. Somebody was like, oh, my God, are you OK? And I was like, yeah, yeah I'm fine. Thanks. Bye. She's like, Excuse <laughs> me, miss. You me. dropped your shoe. <laughs> I will never forget my (laughs) first day of college because I was mortified. It was like, 
you know, it was hilarious because I was like, ah, feeling good. Like my first college class under my belt. Y boom, bolas don't fuck out. Uh, <laughs> did people remember the next day? Like, hey, are you still okay? I didn't have any friends then, Mari. It was my first day. I didn't oh, ask there anybody. You go. No oh, so perfect. I didn't even sit in the same spot that La Vergüenza. <laughs> I sat in like somewhere. Came in with the hoodie. Far. She, she shaved to, her she, head. She ended up having to dye her hair blonde. So yeah. She didn't. So <laughs> yeah, nobody recognized <laughs> Oh, my oh, God. Did you guys have, like, the red tips in college where you dye your, your tips of your hair red? No. no. I dyed <laughs> my whole head red. If that... Oh, okay. Okay. It was burgundy. It wasn't red. It was burgundy. Yeah, mine were burgundy, too. But I remember, like, in, in the dorms, that's all we would do. You like frosted your tips. Yeah. That's what we would do. And then, like, our RA, she would come over to our rooms and she would braid our hair. And we were all like, oh, la de yada yada. Yeah, it was, like, so, like, so, like. Like La Peliculas, you know, like, oh. clueless. I know, yeah. you did have that experience. <laughs> and I had a I Vietnamese find... friend. I had uh, a Filipino friend, me and my best friend who's Mexican. And then our, our other Mexican friend, our Ecuadorian friend, some random white girl. I wouldn't talk to her too much, but she had other friends, but she would come into our dorms. It was, like, super cute. But a funny story was, okay, again, I was living at the dorms. I lived at the dorms for the first two years of my, my college experience. The third year, we, we all rented an apartment. Um, which was like this popular apartment building where all the college kids, you know, rent little like townhouses type of deal thing. Anyways, um, so I was going to go shower. I think it was like Thursday night, you know what I'm saying? And I was going to go shower. So I woke up me caddy because it's like your typical traditional dorm. It's just like one little room and you share it with somebody. And then you have to walk over to like the restrooms and it's restrooms and showers, like three stalls, the restrooms, like four stalls, the shower. Anyways, I'm carrying my little shower caddy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm in there, like, you know, you know, waxing and whatever you do. <laughs> Actually, no, you don't wax. You <laughs> don't pilas, de, don't I know, like, <laughs> I was like, ya se está waxiando. Ya. <laughs> I know, dude, how you do that? No, <laughs> no, 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 I was depilando, <laughs> shaving, whatever. When, back in the day pluck, when I used to shave, okay. Back when she used to pluck her armpit hairs. Yeah, <laughs> I was so poor, I couldn't afford razors. <laughs> <laughs> no, and so then I'm showering, whatever, minding my business or doing my business, and then all of a sudden I hear like or whatever the hell. I'm like, what the hell? And it was like the fire alarm, and like people come in the restroom. Everybody, get out! Right, all the stupid RAs, get out! And I was like, what the? I'm like literally in the middle of the shower. So I got me, me, me towel, and me la puse, and like I didn't even grab like another. I only had one towel, I think. I don't even know, but I just had one towel. I had to run all the way downstairs because we weren't. We weren't able to use the elevator. So I ran all the way downstairs because they made us go outside of the dorm. Y yo toda encuerada con un pinche frío because it was probably like November or December. Y con el pelo todo mojado. I think I still had like shampoo in my head. And then, you know, everybody's just staring at me because everybody's standing outside and they're like looking at me. And I'm like, I was in the shower, <laughs> clearly, when it happened. <laughs> and they're all just like cracking up. They're like, oh, that would happen to you. I'm like, seriously. And then it was a stupid false alarm. They're like, oh, everybody... No, nobody's on fire. Everybody, go back to your dorm. This reminds me of of a, of a time where I also was caught by the by the fire alarm, but I was in elementary school taking a poop in the fucking <laughs> in the toilets. <laughs> like, why? That would have been at the worst time. Like, yeah. I feel like if when the big earthquake hits us here in California, hopefully it's not in our lifetime. But I am going to be there in the shower or taking a dump somewhere, or you know, do you know? Doing a cosas or waxing your armpits or, or waxing my arm, <laughs> waxing your armpit. <laughs> well, you be yeah, yeah, yeah. I got them you laser, y'all. Yeah. yeah, you got yeah. them laser. But I will yeah. be at the worst. Yeah, at my worst for sure. 
nice. Dude, if there's an earthquake, aunque no me agarre on BART, Diosito, that is all oh, that I yeah. ask you for. If you are not from the Bay Area, the BART is the train that takes you from the East Bay to San Francisco. It goes underwater for a good chunk oh, through a concrete God. tunnel. And that is the my only hope. Que no me agarre ahí en Dude. the tunnel. Que me agarre donde sea, pero ahí no. Dude, that's scary. I would cry. Yeah. So when I think about like weirdest or oddest or also funniest, I think it just like, hits all marks, right? I feel like I feel like I'm a magnet for weird, odd, and funny stories. Like funny That's people, true. like uh, shit happening to me. But anyways, this is I this is the top one in my undergrad, and it. Uh, I hopefully I hadn't shared this with you guys, but um, so I had a group presentation due, and I think I was already like in this whole class was like a fourth year class, right? We were all like seniors going to be graduating soon type of deal, right? So we're not freshmen. Um, so I had a group presentation due for one of my psychology classes, and it was like a family methods class, like family therapy theories or whatever. So my group um, decided to make a video of, of the way the method is practiced. Um, so, we, so we made sock puppets, y we wore wigs, y todo el pedo, like we, like, bien televisa started, like, we, <laughs> we just were like, we were all on cue and fucking in character and brought a camera. So anyway, so on the day of presentation, a couple groups went before us and I was so like confident, like we have the best presentation, we, we have a video, it's gonna be good, right? Um, so when it's our turn to do the presentation, um, we send one of our group members, uh, the one with the with the best technical skills, you know, to go up and hook up his laptop onto the projector, um, and then he was gonna be the one pressing play and and for our video. So the opening um, person that was like opening our presentation, he was a gay male named Jack, and this is important later in the story. So he's a gay male named Jack. Um, and then Jack goes up there and he introduces us and our topic. And then he asks the laptop owner guy, right? He's like, hey, hit it. Like, like lights, camera, action, hit it. You know, like play, play our video. Um, and then mind you, my teacher, he's like this really old guy. He looks a little bit like, like Greek, you know, like all white hair, you know, and, and, and a, like a gold, white gold tee. And uh, he's sitting in the front and he happened to bring popcorn and he's like, sitting up there like just eating like waiting ready for all of us to present but he's like waiting for us to to press play on our video so there's my my teacher sitting there and um immediately as soon as like the 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 tech guy hits play within seconds our presentation slides minimize and then and then this video blows up it's like a an 80s pornography uh, oh, video just no. started playing in the big screen, like in a projector. You thought like the whole class um, in my family. <laughs> I thought you were gonna class. say something else. The whole class. I was like, wait, the what whole, are you gonna say? The, the whole family theories class. I was so embarrassed and I was confused. And then I looked at my teacher like, Whoa, wait a minute, like, like it was, it, it was crazy. That. Yeah, because it's like, boom, the video starts playing. And then it's like these two people, these two adults. And the reason why I say it was 80s is because it was like, like grainy, like a grainy mm. vision, like grainy picture. Y luego, they both had mullets, like the lady and the and guy had a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like curly haired mullets, right? Mullet porn? Yeah, it was your mullet. teacher, it was that guy. <laughs> it was a mullet porn, right? So then I was like, 
whoa, like confused and embarrassed. But then I was like, wait a minute. And then I like look quickly at my teacher and he's just sitting there smiling, eating his popcorn. Like, like he looked like he thought it was part of our presentation. Oh my so God. then Jack immediately goes, well, it isn't mine, right? All like sassy. <laughs> well, it isn't mine. And so then uh, the video guy, um, we end up kind of looking at him and then he like stops everything, right? Uh, so it turns out it, it, it was his laptop. So we assumed after the fact that he watches porn, 80s porn on campus and he just minimized it and didn't completely close his selection. Um, so instead of it playing our family's therapy video, it played his 80s porn. And your teacher was really excited about it. <laughs> he, wow. he was. He was, he was very delighted. Like, wow. like oh, oh finally, something good for a change. <laughs> <laughs> finally, an attention grabber. Um, I have a, a question. Mm-hmm. You said there were wigs. Were the wigs for you guys or for the puppets, for the sock puppets? For both. Oh, both of you have wigs. Okay, <laughs> got it. We had a sock puppet kid. <laughs> oh, okay, got it, got it. That's funny. <laughs> I remember for my my human sexuality class, uh, they brought my teacher brought in like BDSM presenters, and they brought whips and like you know handcuffs and la cosa. And then we went to Hamburger Mary's, and I was like, "Yes, this is my type of class. Like, why didn't we take this before?" So every time, like since we worked uh, as mini counselors, Wendy and I, I would tell people, "Oh, you got to take human sexuality. Please make sure you take human sexuality as your elective, or you know, Ham- just, Hamburger just take Mary's." It. What is that, like a fetish hamburger place? I feel like I've heard that name before. Yes, kind of. It's a uh, a hamburger place where they have drag shows. Oh, okay. And so they teach you about the LGBTQ community, about like different things that people are into that are like, you know, pretty normal, you would say, I guess, you know, and just kind of trying to like show like what people do to have fun and spice it up in the bedroom. And that was, I think, one of my best classes. So thank you, Financial Aid, for paying for that. <laughs> for Hamburger Mary. Well, we've talked about our our um, college experience, and we've been focusing mostly on our undergraduate experience. And I think one of the driving factors uh, for me to get into college was that I didn't want to be I didn't want to become any of the statistics that I heard about growing up. Right, and these statistics are like the rates of teen pregnancy, the rates of incarceration of youth that look like me, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, in this space, um, we are part of a statistic, but a really good one. So we are part of the 4.6% of Latinas with graduate degrees. And one of us is in the 0.6% uh, of the of Latinas holding a doctoral degree. Wendy. Um, Wendy. <laughs> so that leads me to, you know, to kind of like, we've talked about our undergraduate experience. So how was your graduate ex- your graduate school spe- experience like through the same thing right the the application process actually being you know studying the material uh, was there any difference between your graduate experience versus your undergraduate uh i think for me there definitely was a difference because i really wanted to get into a specific graduate school so it wasn't like my undergrad where i was like ah pues a ver donde me lleva el viento you know wherever my best friend goes i knew like that I wanted to go to the specific grad- graduate school. Um, and that was because they were going to um, give out graduate assistantships where they basically paid for my schooling because, again, I was scared of, like, loans and getting into debt. So I knew that I had to do everything in my power to get into this one school. And that also meant that my last year, my senior year of college, where I only had, like, I think, 
two or three classes left the spring semester. I needed like four or five more classes, including statistics. So that semester I took 18 units, including statistics, 18 or 19. And that literally like really like lit uh like what do they say like firing your butt right where you're like I feel like for me schooling has always been pretty easy I had an easy major I say journalism it was easy because I loved it I like to write but this was going to be statistics and I you know I, I I'm not the greatest at math um, but I was also blessed to have a really nice teacher that said all right as long as you guys pass your exams and you're going to pass this class and I was like okay well that's not very nice because I'm going to fail <laughs> all my exams but um he he allowed us to take our exams home. And so I would make everybody after class just stay in class so we could all take our exams together. And that's how we everybody passed with an A. And that was the only semester in college when I was taking 18 units, including stats that I got straight A's. I got on the precedence list. But for me, it was completely different graduate school because I knew at that point what I was going to like do almost for the rest of my life and that that's exactly what I wanted to do which was to be a counselor. Um, and and once in graduate school, you know, it, it was completely different too. There wasn't a lot of time to like mess around and make friends. It was mainly work. I worked full time and I, I had to work full time. And I went to graduate school full time, including summers. I worked, you know, 40 hours plus schooling for two years. And I hardly like, you know, had a social life. So it was completely different. I was basically just working and going to school, working, going to school. And that was pretty much my life for two years. My graduate experience, it, it wasn't smoother. Um, but there was a, a stronger like commitment to finish strong. So my GPA was pretty strong once I was done with my doctoral degree I think it was like a four point uh, a three point nine and it, it was a little bit off because I one of my stats courses was I got a B in but it was a high B so it left me at a three point nine but I still struggled you know and a lot of it came from within right it wasn't you know I think that I had gotten used to my lifestyle which was work you know I had done a lot of it already during undergrad so when I started the graduate studies I was still working I was doing full-time you know graduate work um, and also I was a drug counselor at the time so I was working full-time doing that as well um, and I was used to to having that type of life but I still struggled emotionally um, and and cognitively in the sense that I didn't believe you know I struggled with believing in myself um, and, and feeling like I belonged, right? Earlier I had mentioned that when I when I started, you know, undergrad, I, I felt like I wasn't understood and I didn't fit in. So same for like my 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 graduate school experience. I was still battling these inner like limits. Um and I don't think that I shook them off up until like maybe two years ago. Um so they th these like inner limits, like they persisted, right? And and I feel like, you know, I had been in a space of like this just being such a heavy like bulto, like a bag, dude. Like, but regardless of how heavy these like beliefs were, I still moved forward, you know, and, and I still like read the fucking, you know, readings more than once, more than twice, more than three times to make it sense, right? Because I feel like I used to read shit y no, y no me entraba nada, dude. I was just like, oh my God, I don't understand what I just read. And a lot of it had to do with my own psychology of how I was perceiving material and my um 
my belief that I belonged there and that I like was, you know, uh, <clears throat> that there was power in this position, right? So yeah, I constantly felt behind. And I don't know if you guys had this like experience where they do that, that exercise in your grad school. Step forward if you have this. Step forward if you have that. Step back if you have this, right? And I remember that was such a heartbreaking experience for me because I am in my doctoral, you know, program and I, we did that exercise and I kept stepping back so much. I hit the wall like a brick wall and I couldn't take any more steps back. Um, and a lot of my colleagues, I remember that day were like crying, like, why are you all the way back there? Right? So I feel like it was a combination of external factors and internal factors, right? Like my, my wellness wasn't the best back then, mental wellness. And yeah, I think I had to always like really just, you know, move forward, like move on, move on, keep moving forward. Regardless of what was going on or what I believed, I had to still move forward. I mean, I'm pretty sure there was a part of me that believed, you know, because um, I don't know how I, I stuck it out, but I definitely had a lot of people around me that believed in me, <laughs> you know. There was a lot of people like Manisol and, you know, uh, mentors that were like, you got this, you got this. Um, so I think that was like the biggest biggest piece that was a little different is that I, I started to hear and like trust people outside of me because the inside of me wasn't the best. It wasn't the most helpful. So I, I think by graduate school, I started to trust the outside more. Like people are giving me these messages. I must move forward. Um, and, and it wasn't until after like years of being in the profession that I was like, oh, I hear, I feel it, right? I feel it. Like, I do belong here. This is important. I'm My voice is important in this table, you know, and in this, you know, in this setting or, or wherever I am. That, like, speaks about, like, the importance of having mentors, right, or friends or support, a support system with you. Because I think we've all kind of mentioned, like, whether it was a teacher who kind of, you know, cut us some slack or helped us out or somebody who motivated you or who was your inspiration for going to college, right, in terms of like, oh, I saw my sister, like, I want to do what she's doing. Um, and and even though, like, you know, sometimes we feel like imposters or what have you, like, oh, I don't belong here. How did I get here? Uh, how did I cheat the system? Um, you always have, the, the goal is to always have those people cheering you on so that you go back and say, no, like, no, I did this. Like, I did work hard. I did, you know, spend a lot of time in the library talking to my teachers, going to tutoring, what have you. Like, I deserve to be here. Thank you for bringing that up, Wendy. I think that's very powerful. Just like the the pointing out how your self-talk drives so much of your, like, progress, right? Like, sometimes we are the own, we're our own tia toxica, like, in mm -hmm. our ear, talking about what we can and can't do. Um, I think personally for me, um, getting my bachelor's degree, going to undergrad, I that was for my parents, right? That was something that I felt like I owed them. And so I did that, you know, in part because like that message was in there, like that message was in there so long that somewhere along the line, it went from being their dream to becoming my dream. But I, they didn't have any expectation for me to do anything beyond, you know, a BA or BS. And I didn't either, to be honest. I finished and I like felt accomplished and I was like, okay, you know, as a, as a child of immigrants, like there's a lot of pressure to succeed, right? By whatever whatever your your metric for success is. And for my family, it was education. And so once that pressure was lifted, I was like, okay, well, now I'm going to work. You know, and I'm going to work. And I actually had no plans of going to graduate school. Um, 
And then I worked for a year and I was like, F this noise. Like, I got to go back. Like, I got to do something that's going to get, get, like, get me better pay. Because the thing is, like, the messages that I got growing up were like, you have to go to school to get a good job. Verbatim, right? You have to go to school to get a good job. I went to school. There weren't any good jobs. Like, you, at that point, I couldn't do much with a bachelor's, right? And I also, like, wasn't entirely sure, like, which way I wanted to go with it. And so I worked, like I said, I worked for a year and I was like, no, like, I, I need to go back. And so I say that my bachelor's was for my parents, but my master's was for me. Like, I wanted to do that. I sought it out. Um, and it, it was a bit of a struggle. I think for me, it was reversed. Like, in undergrad, I worked a lot. Like, I worked a lot. I worked full-time. I worked graveyard. I was a security guard for a few years. I had, when I first started, I had like three part-time jobs. And so I still found a way to party because that's my spirit, right? Like my friends like had my back. Like I would show up to the party in my security outfit. And this was later when I was already comfortable and it was a small party, right? Not like an actual party, like a little kickback. I would show up in my like top flight security uniform. Sometimes I had to work overtime and I remember we had this class that was like early in the morning, like 8 a.m. or something like that. If I had to do overtime, I wouldn't have time to go home and change and shower. And I would come to class in my security uniform with no sleep because I wear gravy. And so I tried to do the same thing with graduate school. I get into graduate school. I have a full-time job. And immediately I was like, oh, shit, dude, like I can't. I couldn't. So actually I had to taper down. And so I told my job, I was like, hey, max is, is 32 hours. Um, I was working... Um, in retail, I was like HR for retail. And then as soon as I was able to get an internship that was more aligned with like what I was studying, I was like, peace, I'm out. And then I was working, you know, a little bit less and, and like more manageable hours, not like um, at all, like odd hours. But the material was harder, right? I was more invested and more committed because like mm -hmm. this was for me and this is like right. what's going to what my career is going to be in. And I still have to decide what that is. Also, the thesis, the thesis damn near killed me. Wendy and I were already roommates when I was writing. I would cry. Like, I was like, I can't yeah. do it. Like, I was so stuck, you know, like, but the content was was harder. And what added to it was that I moved back to the Bay, right? I'm originally from the Bay Area. My family moved to SoCal. And so for graduate school, I got in to SF State. And I was like, bye, y'all. Peace out. And so my, like, the strongest support that I was used to having wasn't there, right? Like, there were a phone call away and all that stuff, but it's not the same as like having someone there, right? Like having someone be there and be around. Um, and so I had to build like a new safety net, but it was those like first few months were really hard, right? Like I missed my family. Um, the, I was trying to get into the swing of things. Like I had a new job. I was like trying to figure out the classes. And there was one class in particular that God gave me a run for my money. It was statistics. <laughs> and for statistics, it was statistics and psychology. So it was like a special kind of hell. And I had to pass with, I think you had to pass with a B or else you had to like retake it. And then that would mean that I didn't graduate within the two years that I would have to stay longer. Anyway, I got a tutor from Craigslist and went to his house. Do not recommend this. This was years ago. <laughs> but I found this guy, saw him. He was this little, you know, little Asian dude. I sized him up and I was like, okay. I was like, all right, he's not too creepy. We go into his little apartment and he had like, he was doing this for money, right? Like there were, it looked like a tutoring place, but it was in a sala. Looking back at it, I'm like, girl, you crazy. I would never do that now. I would never <laughs> go get tutoring in somebody's sala. 
Um, but I like invested more in like trying to do well, right? Because I felt like like I really needed to. And SF State is a commuter school. And as a master's student, like I wasn't involved in nothing. I didn't even try. Like I was so exhausted from like, you know, I lived in the East Bay, had to go all the way to San Francisco for school and then had to come back and then I had to go all the way to Fremont for work. It was like back and forth, basically, for people that don't know where these cities are. Um, so, I, you know, I was tired. I was tired a lot of the time. But graduating from that program was like a huge accomplishment for me. Right. Personally, like I felt I felt really good about seeing that through the finish line because it was not easy. But yeah. Means. And graduate school is harder in general. For me, it was even harder because I came from a journalism background going into like a psychology uh, background. Now I had the, I had to write things in APA format. I was like, what the F is APA format? Like what? Like I never even wrote in any format, just the journalism, like newspaper type of format headline, you know, things like that. So that was really difficult. So I spent a lot of time in the library, which I did not in my undergrad, except to go to Starbucks, but learning all of these things that everybody around me knew because most people who got into these programs were psychology, sociology majors. And here I came with my little journalism degree, like, hi, I'm here to be a counselor. Hi, hi I'm Carrie Bradshaw. Hi, yeah, I'm here with my little <laughs> laptop. Okay, by then I had a laptop. I didn't have I'm my shoe, computer. I'm shoe shopping. <laughs> well, the funniest that was, that part. was her voicemail. <laughs> Oh, remember? <laughs> that was that was Marisol's voicemail for many, many Hi, you caught me shoe shopping. Call me later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that w that's the story that I tell my students now that I that I literally like was about to graduate with a journalism degree. And I was like, wait, this job is not going to be able to afford me like a pair of Manolo Blahniks. Like, Manolo what the hell? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I need to go to graduate school because <laughs> I want Manolo Blahniks. Like, I've never owned them. Choose. But you know yeah. what? You you uh, you should have just met your big. <laughs> ah, so he can yeah. make me some de, de madera. Ya tira ese carpintero y a ver te buscar al big. You became big. You became big. I am my own big. <laughs> you are big. Yeah. I'm pretty. I'm pretty tall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it sounds like like we all had similar but still very unique challenges. How how did you manage the these challenges? I think, like I said, for me, like just going from my undergrad where I didn't work and I was, you know, in clubs and activities and, you know, with a lot of friends to my graduate school where like I didn't, I moved to the Valley. I didn't know anybody. It was super hot and I'm like a sweaty person. So I was like drenched in sweat, not knowing what APA format was. I spent all of my time at the library. Um and that was a challenge because, you know, again, I had only stepped foot there for Starbucks in my undergrad. Um, and it sucked, too, because I couldn't really go home because I had so much work to do and work that I felt like those two years, like I told a lot of my friends, like, you're probably not going to see me. And if I don't go to your birthday, I'm sorry. But, you know, uh, you know, it's 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 a different type of schooling. Um, and but. Luckily, like I kind of mentioned at the beginning, I had a good support system where most of my friends were like, oh, I'm not going to take it personal if you don't come to my party. My mom like understood that I was in line, that I was actually in school, right? Like she already knew kind of what happens in college. Um, I didn't have any boyfriend, right? Or anything like that. So that didn't distract me. And I lived like five minutes away from campus. I moved to a little back house. And so, yeah, it, that challenge was just mainly figuring out APA format and ensuring that 
that I didn't fail it, didn't get a, a C in any classes because you had to get B's in graduate school for it to pass, like Rosie mentioned. I think for me in graduate school is where that imposter syndrome got really loud. You know, when I graduated from UCR, like with my tribe, right? Like my friends, like I, like I meant, like UCR has a large, large Latinx population. And so I did feel confident, like I can take the world by storm, like when I graduated. And then, you know, I got into the real world to work and that slapped me in the face real fast. But in graduate school, my class, my cohort was 10 students. And the makeup, I was the only Latina in the cohort. And then the other person, of or one of the other people of color dropped out before like we even really got started because they had family issues. And so I was the only Latino in my cohort. And so I think it set in a lot harder because I felt like I was behind, right? Like these other students, like they already kind of knew um, a lot of the stuff that I didn't, right? Nobody struggled in statistics like I did. Like uh, my peers, you know, I relied on my peers to like help me out. And I, I did feel like a little left out. And then also like they all lived in the city. They like could hang out if they wanted to for a little bit. And for me, it was like a lot more few and far between when I could stay and, and like do something with them. Um, but I think oddly enough, like the way I kind of faced that challenge was just to be myself. Like I, I tried to let go of the fact that like you're dumber than everyone else, like of the feeling, sorry. I try to let go of the feeling like, oh, you're dumber than everybody else here. Like everybody knows what you're talking about. Like I felt like whenever the teacher asked something and I made a comment, like it was hella dumb. Like it didn't make any sense. It had nothing to do with nothing. And so I tried to let go of that. And what helped was just being myself. Because I was kind of like, at some point, I was like, you know what? Honestly, like, I do need help. Like, I don't get this. Like, can you explain this to me? I don't get this. And I feel like when I started being more unapologetically me, um, I actually got a chance to, like, make connections with these people that, you know, were the, the people that I saw the most for the, for the next two years. Um, and that also helped me kind of, like, sit in a better headspace where I felt capable, right? Kind of shushing down that imposter voice. I was just like, no. Like you, you made it into this program. You're supposed to be here. You're here. Now you got to finish it. Yeah. This is making me think a lot about just like what skills, like even though my mom didn't go to, to, to college, um, what are some skills that, that she taught me, right. To, to survive my, my, my school experience. And I think the biggest one is, is not giving up. Right. Like, like for her, like, I think that my mom always, um model to me that there is n there is no option to give up well, whatever it is she was doing she was like you must move forward um so i think that that was a skill that was already embedded in me so regardless of the the inner noise some outer noise you know giving up was not an option and regardless of of like the failures right cuz that's evidence already right like you're failing you're not passing the pre black math course you know um i still showed up right cuz my mom did similar things right even though there was failures right even though you know <clears throat> we we were missing some things my mom still showed up you know um and she still turned you know she still like you know put in the work regardless even though she was facing a lot of failure you know um so i think i did the same thing like i even though i was failing my my exams you know at sometimes um i still turned in all my assignments and and i trusted that i wasn't going down without a fight 
Um, and, and when I think about fighting, I think about accepting all the risks, right? The minute that I decide to fight, you know, I'm accepting the risk that comes with it. Um, so same, like, like, you know, emotionally, if I'm going to uh, um, accept fighting this, then I'm accepting whatever risk might come. And that includes the failure piece. Um, so I think that uh, I feel like overall, it felt like a like a long fight. Like I, I really did fight to stay in college and to complete my degrees. Um, the biggest, the second biggest skill that I, that I think I practiced was again, like that reach out mindset, right? Like reaching out to like-minded people, right? Like people like Marisol or, or Rosie, like we had similar experiences, but we also kind of believe we, we not kind of, we fully believed in each other. We were like, no, she could do it. Right. Like you can, like whenever, you know, my amigas, like you, you guys were like, I don't know if I could do this. We're like, yes, you can. Right. So I think that, you know, reaching out to, to these like-minded people um, is always like really important um, and, and making sure that these are people you feel safe with, that you trust uh, their opinions, right? Because then regardless of whether you believe it or not, you trust their opinion, right? So that's something that I did was trusting, you know, these people's opinions of me, which was, yes, you can do this, Um the other thing would be, uh, the third thing that I think would be like, use your resources, right? So there are so many resources that I think that we have at the tip of our finger, at the tip of our, am I saying that right? In <laughs> um, our fingertips. In our fingertips, right? Like, like we have Google, right? So what is the resources, right? Usually uh, we can reach out to people like academic counselors or peer mentors, right? Like, what? how am I going to navigate this, right? Because I think that this is a huge deal for cycle breakers, like people that are breaking a whole, like, poverty cycle in their family. is so important for you to hold on to resources that are going to educate you and help you and guide you through, like, this, this maze, right? It can feel like a maze. And it can feel very lonely, too, if you're the first person in, in your family going to college. Um, so, yes, look up those resources. Look up these mentors, the academic counselors, um, and maximize them, right? Meaning that if they let you make an appointment weekly, make the appointment weekly. You know, get use, use the service. Um, and because that's basically what I did, right? Like going to office hours when my, when my professors offered it, I was there. I, I went to many people's office hours, um, and then speak up, right? So just, I think the biggest part would be that I feel like I acknowledge that the worst thing that I could do is abandon myself. Um, so don't, don't abandon yourself and, and do it for you. Don't turn, don't turn your back on you. Thanks, Wendy. And I think that's a great, um, segue here for final thoughts. What are your final thoughts for the listeners? What message would you like to leave our listeners with? I really liked uh, what Wendy mentioned at the very beginning when she was talking about the other side of the tracks, right? And like that she, you know, learned so much working at the center that she was like, hey, did you know that there's free money? So always, again, any resource that you know about Share it, share it with your community, share it with your people, because your people know people that have people and people, siblings, et cetera, that are going to perhaps be able to benefit from these resources. And so always put yourself in people's shoes, right? Like if it was difficult doing a financial aid application, like any type of application, always help that person out and any resource you have to share it with your community, with, with the world, I guess you could say. And I'll just say that, you know, in higher education, in this country at least, there are going to be times where you feel like you don't belong. 
And, you know, I just want to say that you do, that education is a space for everyone and anyone. Um, and even if it's an institution where you're like, yeah, this was definitely not built for me, we'll make it work for you anyway. You're there, you earned it, you can do it. And I think, don't, like, one of the things that I want to say is don't think that you have to change yourself and that you have to be something that you're not to, you know, participate in, in things in, in these institutions. You are enough the way that you are. And I think if you hold true to that feeling, you'll see it on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that you said that. It, you know, it reminds me of how important it is to be genuine, right? Like if you're genuine, I think that that is an automatic magnet for people um, and employers and opportunities, right? Like people want genuine people, especially in, in, in this in this time of the social media era. There's a lot of you know people that aren't so genuine and, and aren't playing with a full deck of cards because you know there's so many ways that we can alter right um, the way people perceive us nowadays. So yes, I I, I really like uh, what Rosie said, right? Being being your your genuine self. Um, always really, really pays off. At least it has for me. Um, it, it It's making me think of this phrase, right? Like there's a chola in every scholar, right? <laughs> I feel like for a very long time, I um, struggled with my identity, right? My, I'm an LA Watts native, you know, um, I feel like my brother says I have a chola accent. People know I'm from LA. People know I'm from the hood when I pick up the phones at work. Um, so for a long time, that was I was embarrassed. I, I feared that that was going to cl close many doors for me. But, you know, it, it totally hasn't. And I'm so happy that that I get to, you know, walk around with, with pride with everything, right? Like my experience, my my upbringing and everything. So my final words would be, Échale ganas, y si no te quedan las ganas, reach outside of you for resources, for a recharge, and don't abandon yourself. Thank you, everybody. Hasta la próxima. Adios. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for today's topic. Special thanks to our audio editor and producer, HG, from Beat Farm Productions. Hasta la próxima, and remember to join us next time by tuning in with your amigas to Spilling La Sopa. Spilling la sopa. Spilling la sopa.